joining us for this episode of Awkward Insurance. I'm Dustin. And I'm Kat. And we're your hosts. We've recently been exploring diverse cognitive abilities, but for this episode, we are going to build on that, but in terms of looking at how the industry might view all of us as humans, including those with diverse cognitive abilities. Our guest today is someone who I absolutely adore, and I started following her on LinkedIn and social media, stalked her for a little bit, but then I had an opportunity to meet her at the Tennessee Young Agents Conference in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Yes, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, the home of Dollywood. When I heard her and her colleagues' speech on what they do, I got a little prickly, but really super excited to even have this conversation with her today. So excited that when I approached her, I nearly knocked her out of her chair because, well, even in this post-pandemic world and social distancing, I haven't learned to keep my hands to myself. <laughs> Liv Schmidt is our guest today. So welcome, Liv. I am so excited to have you here. Hi. I'm excited to be here. That's like the, this is like the most energetic introduction I've ever had. And I, I wondered if you were going to like let people know that you, you know, were so aggressive with <laughs> me. <laughs> Always. I think anybody who's listened to Dustin speak for 10 minutes already has that idea that she's uh, aggressive. <laughs> Both socially but in a positive and way. aggressive. <laughs> but to be fair, she immediately apologized and then apologized about 15 more times. And the next morning she's like, could you just hit me so that we're even? <laughs> <laughs> I only apologized, honestly, because I didn't realize what I was doing. And I saw how big her eyes got like, holy crap, why am I talking to this lady? <laughs> Not sure I want to be friends with no. her anymore. <laughs> I was just I was just surprised. And, so. Lady, you are super amazing and so inspirational. I think, and I know you know this, that I fell in love with your Monday. What do you call them? Monday moments of inspiration or something like that. What are they called? Monday magic. Monday magic. And sometimes yes. she has her sweet little girl on there. I haven't seen your other two little boys on there yet. Do you have them on there often? They um avoid it at all costs. Like <laughs> if they could if they could just like leave the house during recording, that's what they would do. Like they just are mm-hmm. they don't have any interest in being part of it. Okay, so I have to say, you know, this with this being my first time getting to talk to you, Liv, tell me a little bit about this Monday magic. So, yeah, so this, oh my gosh, it's been, I think it's been three years. Is it, it's 2021. I think it's, I've been doing this for three years now. I just, I don't know, like I dabbled in LinkedIn, like, and then I didn't use LinkedIn for like five years. And then I went to a conference and I was like, I'm not going to know any of these. I'm not going to get to know everybody. And the only way I'm going to continue to be in contact with them is if I get on LinkedIn and other social media and actually start like trying to be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So kind of did that for a couple of months and then um, had somebody that was like, I just like, I feel like you're probably ready to go ahead and drop a video. And I was like, what? I don't even know what I would talk about. And I recorded my first video. I sat on it for like nine hours before I like hit the publish button because I finally decided like if nobody sees it, then it's not the end of the world. Like or if people see it and they don't like it, then Mm -hmm. fine. Like I just got to roll with it. So I just kind of did it on different days of the week and whatever. Um, And then I was like, you know what? Mondays seem to work. And It was Monday mornings when I actually was like commuting to work. Like I do it in the car in the parking lot before I walked into the office. And now I don't commute anymore. So it just kind of happens whenever it happens on Mondays. Mm -hmm. But really just have found that there's a ton to talk about from a business sense. And I know we'll get into that as well. But we're also just like we're multi layers as as humans. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we have our work life, but we also have our emotional life. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many different things that have happened in my life that I felt like these were amazing experiences, magical experiences that I took a lesson away from or it gave me some insight uh, into myself and how I tick just whatever created a connection with another human and so I don't know so then I just started deciding that like I there's at least one inspirational thing that happens to me every week if not a hundred things really and so then Monday Magic was just kind of born from that like that's yeah you know just one little thing that I can share and if people connect with it they connect with it if they don't that's okay too I love that. And I have to say, so I 
I'm trying to learn from Dustin a lot, as, especially in using LinkedIn and trying to network and connect with people, because in all honesty, the only times I've really ever used LinkedIn in any real way is when I was looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because it's, it's not something that I think about. And because all of the posts are or most of the posts that you see are related to business and industry you know, you just kind of get in that mindset of oh, what what value is there going to be for me? So to have opportunities to see more real moments with people that are less polished. And also because, yeah, we are working more remotely. We are a little bit, we I, yeah, in a lot of ways, you miss that water cooler opportunity to connect with your coworkers on a Monday morning and catch up. So I really love that idea. And you have a new follower Oh, your Monday morning magic. <laughs> and hopefully that might inspire me to be a better LinkedIn user as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, just, just do it. And I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day, like, I love when people just like put something really simple out there. Like, I love it when it's just like, mm-hmm. when I see it and I'm like, oh, I just kind of need to read that today. Whatever, you know, like, it's just such an amazing way to not just network and and build your network within your industry or within whatever field you might be interested in, but um, also just like connecting with other humans from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And in this giant world that we live in where it's like really easy to just kind of block people out because we are kind of in our little cocoons all of the time, it's, it's just a great way to build connections. You know, I remember thinking like, when you when you do this and you kind of build these friendships, like one of one of my favorite people in the world is uh, and I I, kind of, I I hired her as a coach for a while. But I mean, she's in Canada. Were it not for LinkedIn, like our paths would have never crossed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't imagine my life without her. So you just never know where those connections are going to come from and how they're going to impact your life. And like, that's, I, that's, it's the beauty of social media. I know I'm like telling people what mm-hmm. they already know about social media, but uh, LinkedIn is, it's an incredibly powerful tool at so many levels. And I found that I can, if I just want to network with other moms in the business, like there's a way for me to do that mm-hmm. there. If I just want to connect with other women in leadership, I can do that there. If I just want to connect with people across the insurance industry, mm-hmm. obviously that's a great place to do it. My insurance network exploded three years ago, and it's only continued to grow more and more over the last couple of years. And so it's been huge exposure. Let me ask, why did your insurance network specifically explode three years ago? What happened three years ago? Well, I went to so I went to a conference called Elevate, which it just it just kind of changed things for me. Mm-hmm. I had never really gone to a conference outside of like I would have told you that continuing ed was a conference. I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, oh, it's a conference. There's people there. You network <laughs> yeah. kind of a little bit while you're not studying. Mm-hmm. But I went to this conference and was just like meeting. all. I was seeing all these speakers and I would hear names and I would just kind of like, like, oh, my gosh, who are these people? What are they doing? And so it was like, you connect with one of them and they'd have 10 more people that they thought you should connect with. Like, oh, you need to know this person. You need to know this person. And so, yeah, that's your network just kind of like spider webs. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. just this amazing thing to watch happen. And I love this industry and I know other industries are the same way. But the generosity of just like thought and relationship is huge. Like, that's why mm-hmm. if, if, if people don't get that when they come in, that's probably why they leave. Um, but when you feel that when you come into the industry, you're like, I'm I'm never I'm never leaving this industry because it's just like the support that happens um, within those networks is pretty incredible. And it's. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that you pinpointed that the support that's within the insurance industry is amazing, no matter what side of it you're on. Mm hmm. You know, something struck with me when you said that one person can, you you never know when you're going to impact someone or someone, excuse me, or someone can impact you. Is that what you said? Yeah. That struck with me here recently because I, I recently had a colleague that passed away and it was real emotional, but going, funerals are never fun, ever, never. But no. going there, you start to realize, I wonder if that person ever knew what an impact they had because all the people that joined to celebrate that person's life. And you think, I wonder if that person ever knew. So at the same time that you're looking 
um, or maybe not even looking to impact others through your Monday magic, I really hope that people are returning the favor and maybe anyone who's listening can you know, just be more cognizant of returning the favor of letting someone know mm-hmm. when they impact your life because it, it's just something that I think is amazing and shouldn't be kept to ourselves to just think that person impacted me and, and to never tell them because that would give someone like you you know, the momentum to keep going and go, man, if I impacted them and didn't even mean to, what else can I do? And just become even more amazing, which connects back to that. The support that we have in this industry is crazy ridiculous because we do tend to share those thoughts. Like I have been listening to you and I've been listening to you and thank you for connecting me to this person and that person, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So just all of that just spun around in my head just now. Now, there's other ways that you connect with folks other than your Monday magic. And I, you know, you've got a podcast and you can give the yes. titles out. I loved the name of your <laughs> your first edition podcast. I don't know why you changed it. You can you can explain that. But her first podcast was You Don't Know Schmidt, which is just awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I mean, if you don't even know what the podcast is about, you want to listen to it because you're like, you're right, I don't know Schmidt. <laughs> but then you changed it to Live Louder, which is even more amazing and just kind of builds off of that first edition podcast persona. Tell us about your podcast. Oh, yeah. So um, (laughs) I had I just had somebody come in my life and they were like, you should host a podcast, which is like a random thing for somebody that doesn't really know you to say. And you're like, well, I don't know if I could. And then like I went home and I was like, gosh, what would I want it to be about? And what who would I interview? And da, da, da. And so I started the podcast and I interview women in leadership and a, a, many of them are from the insurance industry. The majority of them are from the insurance industry, but I've also had health coaches on there and life coaches on there, just people that are really supporting other females. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are super important. Even, yeah, I mean, we can listen to insurance professionals all day long and mm-hmm. discover how to do stuff in the industry, but you bringing on health professionals, how to be a better version of That's amazing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been, it's, it's probably been more fun for me than hope. I don't know. It's been more, incredibly fun for me. I hope that my guests have had fun as well, but um, just really wanted to highlight their stories and their journeys and not necessarily just the, the tough stuff, because I think that, you know, women's, you know, face a different set of adversity as they're trying to grow their careers. And I certainly want to bring attention to that. I want that to change. I want that to continue, you know, just kind of switching over to where we're we're really in an equitable playing field across the industry. Um, I think we've made a ton of strides, but there's a long ways to go. But also just, you know, like, what are what is the human story there of building a career while being a parent or, you know, just the, the different things that we go through? Because I think that, you know, for the first big chunk of my career, I didn't really think that there were a lot of options out there for me. Like, I just kind of thought I entered the industry. I'm going to do this one thing. And and I'm I'm pretty good at it, so that'll be fine. But I was always kind of like itching for a little bit more. And so like really trying to put powerful voices, even if it's not like a true mentoring relationship, but that mentoring type voice and being able to broadcast that to other people in the industry. And it's not just for women. I have men that listen to the show because they want to understand how to be better leaders for all people within their agencies or their companies. And so really just trying to Elevate all of those voices, because I think that there's a lot of powerful stories. And the more women I can connect with, like, I feel empowered by listening to their stories and getting to understand the the journey that they've been on as they've worked from, you know, maybe I've, you know, from from a copy room position mm-hmm. into a chief whatever position. And so the entrepreneurial journey like that always like people that just kind of like jump without a net, like it just always I have so much admiration for that. Especially in the risk management industry. We don't usually jump yeah. out nets. We assess our risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You make sure the net's well built. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have somebody else test it before we do it. You know, so yeah, I just, I, I have had so much, I, I don't know, like it's such a huge privilege to be able to talk to these women 
every single week and and just share that space with them and and let them kind of share their own stories with with the world. I keep hearing Oprah in my mind (laughs) because Oprah, well, Oprah has a quote that says, I think it was Oprah or maybe just Oprah just said it once and I'm hearing it in her voice, but uh, she (laughs) says, you can always tell who the strong women are. They're the ones that you see lifting each other up instead of tearing each other down. And so I love that that's what you're doing. And I think I also like that you said part of what we have to do to build women up is also to allow men to talk about the same struggles that we do. And when you talk about being a working parent, it's usually women that are having to have those conversations about juggling their their motherhood and their career. But men also struggle with those as well. So the best way that we can close that gender pay gap, the best way that we can empower women is to remind everybody that, hey, we are dealing, we are all in the same boat dealing with a lot of the same struggles. Yeah. I mean, and the thing, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I was um, texting back and forth with a friend of mine yesterday and, you know, we we were just talking about life stuff and she's, she was like, well, you know, thanks for talking me through some stuff yesterday. And, and I said, you know, the human struggle gets lighter when we share it. I mean, it truly does. Not that you're just like dumping on people, but when we share our stories and the things that we've been through, I feel like the 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 weight of that gets lighter and we don't heal in a vacuum. We don't fix, you know, years of of just bad practices in a vacuum. Like it, it takes everybody coming to the table with a willingness to change and be better. Um, and then then you actually you see the progress, you see the forward momentum, like you see all of that stuff, like the, the good, the good stuff gets to be a little, gets to be contagious. <laughs> I, I, I like hesitate to use that word anymore, but you know what contagious. I mean? So, yes. Contagious. Like people are like, contagious. what, what's contagious? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like good things can be contagious too. And I think that, I don't know, like I'm just, um, as, as much as there's, there are times where it's easy to just, I think there's there's both sides. You have to be super real about where we've been as an industry. Yeah. Like you can't like I don't I'm not trying to dress it up or pretty it up or make it into something that it wasn't. But I also want to talk about progress and I want to talk about change mm-hmm. and the real things that need to happen in order for us to stay relevant as an industry, as powerful employers, as a backbone of the economy. Like these are all really important things that insurance brings to our ecosystem. And so we have to maintain all of that. But it also takes a lot of it's going to be a lot of change. Mm-hmm. I think that happens. So speaking of where you started and where you changed or or in the changes <laughs> that you, you need to make. So, Liv, you started an intern over 16 years ago with Tricor Insurance as a customer service representative. Yep. And now you're on a completely different side of the insurance industry, if you will. Tell us about, you know, what your place in the industry is right now. Yeah. So I am head of sales at Beatomic. Um, Beatomic is a company that believes in, in bringing agencies together and empowering them with data. And we have a product called Neon. Uh, Neon is what allows us to bring those insights and information uh, to agencies and really allow them to see what's going on in their agency, understand what's working well, dig into the friction points, and start making informed decisions uh, about what what's going to help us scale and move forward in the best way possible in our agencies. We're just giving them the data that helps them make the right decision. Right. So before we go into the data, how did you go from account manager to that? <laughs> well, um, I, I honestly, like I, I started in commercial lines and I loved it. I mean, seriously, like, I don't know, like insurance got in my blood and I really loved it. I just, I did, I left for a year. I went to IBM. I did project management. This was about nine years into my insurance career. And I remember being exposed to data for the first time in, in that year at IBM. We had to report on KPIs every day. I remember showing up on my first day going, I don't know what KPI stands for and really having to start at the base level, but then being in charge of having to go to management meetings and saying and explain all of our out of criteria KPIs. So just a whole new level of awareness, but still really wanted to be in insurance, went back to the agency 
and worked on developing their small business department when I returned to um, to Tricor and just got I was super curious about data, though. Like I was like, like, I feel like it shouldn't be this hard to understand what anybody's doing. I'm just pulling these reports and I can see all these lists of, of things that are happening, but I don't know what any of these things mean. And so along this journey, I met Seth, who was the founder of Beatomic. And he's and like just nerded out at on a early morning Zoom call about what it was that he was developing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, where has this been my whole career? So I ended up leaving the insurance industry. Well, not I ended up leaving the insurance agency, not the industry, went to the insured tech side in a marketing position um, for a company called Total CSR. And then an opportunity with Atomic presented itself. And, you know, from the moment I had seen the product, it was what I... I... So you talked to the founder of Atomic yep. and were like, yeah, I'm going to Total CSR. <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't know what my opportunity was. It's so funny because I was like, I'm like, you know, like if something comes along, I was watching him build this team and I was like, you know, if something comes along. I'm sure I'm sure he'll let me know if, you know, if there's something that that feels right for me. And like Sid, Sid and I. So Sid Rowe is the CMO of um, of Be Atomic and she and I had become friends. And I was like, well, you know, and I was talking to her like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to make a move in my career. And at some point. And so you're all about getting toes in the door, like one toe at a time. Yeah, I just, you know, I just, I wasn't even really, you know, and she and I would talk about it. And at some point, I guess she told me, like, she offered me a job. And I, I don't know, like, it was in in passing in a conversation, something about, like, we'd love to have you at Be Atomic, but not like, it, it was so casual and not like a formal offer. It was like one of those things that you go home and you're like, read it. It went right over my head. She reminded me of it a year later. Yeah, now you're no longer in the stodgy old insurance industry. Now you're, you know, it's like insure tech startup. It's a whole different culture. Whole different world. Whole different world. Yeah. So, so yeah, it 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 took a it took a little while for it to sink in, but then um yeah, she just had to like get really bold and say to me like, "Hey, um we'd like you to come work here." And then I was like, "Oh, I understand those words. I get it." <laughs> I don't do subtle. Like I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. pick up on subtle cues <laughs> ever. That's like, funny. I just don't, I, I don't, that. I don't get it. So, so let me ask. So data is a thing that, I mean, we hear it all over the place. Yes. And actually before I joined the national Alliance, I was with LexisNexis risk. So oh, okay. I also worked in data. Yeah. So with neon, what kind of data is this system looking at? everything. We're looking at uh, service people and their how long is it taking them to get through certain types of service requests. So we're, we're, cap we're capturing those under cases. So everything's, everything's kind of supercharged by Salesforce. So if anybody's ever worked in Salesforce, super overwhelming as a, as a product mm -hmm. in its whole. But what has happened through the Neon app is that we boiled it down to the core parts that matter for an insurance agency. And so just as people are working in their day answering service requests or salespeople working on, um, you know, through their sales pipeline, we're watching all of that stuff as it works through the system. How long is it taking us to close a certificate request? How many, of, how many certificate requests are coming in? How long is it taking us to get an endorsement through on commercial lines? How long is it taking on personal lines? Do we have carriers that are being super responsive and helping us manage our business really well? And which carriers are creating friction in the process because we have to email them 25 times to accomplish one thing. And so really just getting hyper granular on all of that information, because we've always thought of sales in a pipeline, right? Like it's easy. People are like, what, what's in your pipeline? But service is also a pipeline and contributes to 94% plus of an agency's recurring income. And so yeah. it's it's a huge deal. Service is such a huge component. Service people, you know, like salaries are are money. That's that's agency money. Mm -hmm. So how do we make sure that we're using those resources really well? All right. So is anybody feeling prickly yet? Listening to this, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is when I knocked Liv out of her chair. Yes, this is like, <laughs> Dustin was like, why didn't we talk about this sooner? I'm like, okay, so 
I'm sitting in the back of this room of the Tennessee Young Insurance Agents Conference, and I'm just being a fly on the wall. I was not there technically to represent the National Alliance. I was there to mingle with the speakers because every single speaker that was there was somebody I wanted to meet. And I'm like, holy cow. They're all in the same freaking room. I'm going to this. And, you know, I I joke that I feel like I was a, a wedding crasher because um, it, it was for the young agents. It was for them to get to know you guys. And I didn't know that at first. And I asked to go and they said, sure, you can come. And then I'm talking to Ash Fitz and she's like, well, it's really exclusive. It's kind of small. There's, you know, only a select number of stairs. Crap. Now I feel like I'm party crashing over here. So no, it's fine. I'm sitting in the back of the room just taking my notes and I'm listening to Liv and Sid talk about neon. And, you know, to use your words, the hyper granular mm-hmm. data that it's collecting and how you're using it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm jumping out of my skin <laughs> in the back of the room because it's an account manager, right? <laughs> And like I said, at the very beginning, when we started this episode, that we're going to take a look at, you know, how data is being used to look at us as humans. And, you know, in the insurance industry, I, in the agency, we had a system that you could get really granular on. It, It was a lot of data. You had to know what you were looking at. But when I would look at it, I'm like, man, if I get in the weeds on this as a personalized leader... I'm going to start using this information in the wrong kind of way. You know what I'm saying? So as I was listening to Liv and Sig go through this, I'm like, okay, I love numbers. And all this information is great. Great in terms of leadership. You want to know how, you know, each carrier is performing and which ones are kind of holding up pipelines and stuff like that, because you want to use the ones that are quickest, or you might want to go back to the one that you really want to use, but is being really slow and tell them that they need to speed things up a little bit. All that is great. But in terms of the account manager, Mm -hmm. If I felt like somebody was, what did you say? We're watching you. (laughs) (laughs) If I felt like somebody was watching me in such a way. Now, if I trusted my leadership, that's one thing. But if I'm a new employee, even coming in and hearing about how awesome, you know, Neon can be and all of the information that it's tracking and how quickly you're going to move through a process and, you know, how fast it takes you to move from going to a phone call back to your assignment, you know, whatever that is. I, I was feeling really prickly, which is why I'm as messy as you. So if anybody's feeling prickly right now, this is why I wanted to talk to Liz. <laughs> well, so, and, and I guess that's why I, because I, I can totally understand that hesitation. And again, when at any time there's discussions of data in any industry, we're all a little hesitant, you know, oh, is my Alexa spying on me? Is my <laughs> nest doing this? You know, the. Yes, yeah, the answer yes. is, it is, it is, but you know, so we're, you know, you've got these platforms that are collecting the data at the granular information, but the output is really what's going to matter. So yeah, if yeah. you have a leader that's going to look at the output on the granular level and go, Dustin, it looks like it's taking you 15 minutes to do a task when it's only taking live, you know, five minutes, what's your problem? Then yeah, that can be scary. But, you know, that's why I'm really curious. Like, for instance, I love the fact that it's also measuring carrier response times. You know, as as someone that worked in the carrier, I can't tell you how many times you'd go into an office and you'd hear the anecdotal information. Oh, I was on hold for this long or, oh, you guys don't ever get back to me. But if you can show, hey, this is how you really are performing Mm -hmm. against your biggest competitor, that would be helpful. So, you know, absolutely helpful. Yeah, so I would like to know, like, the agencies that are using, you know, or that that uh, that are really um, excited about it, what pieces of that data are they able to, like, what's what's the wow moment for them? I think everybody has a different wow moment because they have a different thing that they feel like, for one, they come in with a different understanding of what they think the struggle is in their agency, right? And they and but they don't really know for sure. It's just kind of this hunch. So I think that moment where they get the clarity on that, that's their wow moment when they're like, oh, yes, this is confirmed or, whoa, I was way off and I would have attacked this a completely different way. Now I have the right information. But I think like the, you know, where people are able, they're able to internally benchmark their employees. And and I think that there's as much as people are like, I don't need more people with eyes on me. I don't need to be micromanaged. Um, you know, it's the whole, is this a carrot or is it a stick? 
And like, what is your culture? Do you have a stick culture or do you have a carrot culture? Are we helping people work towards achievement or are we telling them like you achieve this or else? Um, You know, so those are two really different mindsets. I think the most successful ones are the ones saying we're not trying to find a reason to get rid of people. We're trying to find a reason to help people stay and be effective in their jobs. And the ones that don't want to do that, that don't want to buy into that are the ones that will naturally select themselves out. Right. Like they'll just they'll find their way to another agency or another industry altogether. But really allowing account managers to see in real time analytics on their interface what it is that they're doing. How many cases have I closed? Yeah. What does my book of business look like? Has that number grown from the beginning of the day to the end of the day? Um, And they can take pride in all of those things. And then when it comes to benchmarking, it really has to be, you know, like understanding where you are from a contribution standpoint overall. And where do you want to be? And like giving them the information that helps them really work better. And like, the thing is, is that um, like, you know, I, I managed a team. I could pull lists and numbers of things. I didn't really know. I couldn't quantify any of that in a real meaningful way. Everybody was busy. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I am busy. Here are the numbers that show everything that I'm contributing. Or you you could be busier. I do think you could be doing more. Let's talk about the training opportunities that exist here. How do we help you feel better about the work that you're doing? I mean, it really, it comes down to how you frame the conversation. This doesn't have to be a, you did this and this other person did that and you should be achieving this much. It's really just a, hey, we feel like there's some, we got some friction here. What's the struggle with this process? Like, where do you feel like you're getting off? Like, there are even opportunities around how how do you have a phone conversation with someone? It looks like your phone conversations are taking 20 minutes. Everybody else seems to get on and off the phone in about three minutes. You know, like. How do we, you know, speed that up? Because really we need to be responding to the actual customer need a little bit faster. And the 20 minute conversation is maybe not necessary every single time. So just really being able to have the right set of information so that we can help everybody be effective in their jobs and for them to feel really seen in what they're doing for the first time. It's, you know, it's I think it's just it's it's just different than it has been. So when you are, because you're on the sales team, right? Yes. Okay. So when you are doing your sales pitching, I don't know, are you involved? You know, once somebody says, yes, I want to do uh, neon, mm-hmm. you want to bring me and neon is kind of like an AMS. Is that right? We have, we, we work with an AMS called Varuna. So you work, you partner with an AMS and mm-hmm. you extract the data and give them dashboards. Yeah. So we're we're building all of it within they have two sets of dashboards. So they have the ones that are part of their core interface and then they have a large set of dashboard dashboards, which are just managerial dashboards. We don't we don't give those to every single user. Those are those are very in-depth and probably a lot of agency information that either would be overwhelming to to most users or it's just not necessary information for one reason or another. But yes, so dashboards are being created based on usage. Okay. So I'm trying to get the words out, but I'm trying to build the extra information that I feel like was a gap in my brain for a second. As an account manager, when I hear that my leadership has brought something on that's going to maybe limit how I connect with my, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be personally on neon. That's not what I'm trying to do. I want, I want you to be able to explain to an account manager why something like this would be beneficial to them this prickly feeling let's try and get it to go away basically is where i'm going with this if i hear somebody say you know we've got data now that's showing that you're taking too long on the on the phone with you know somebody i think about myself as an account manager and how i really wanted to connect with my client they i wanted them to know me by name i had a couple that would call and be like hey how are the kids you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but if i hear my leadership bringing on something like this that's going to analyze how long I'm taking on the phone and feel like I might be now pressured to get that elderly client off the phone in three minutes or less. Is there something that you guys are doing or a way that you speak to your prospects that are like, like you said, you can either be a stick or a carrot. Do you 
do you analyze that in any way kind of on the front end to be like, y'all are a little sticky, let's be a little charity or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you can really, you know, hinder yourself with this much information. It's here to help you. So let us show you how you can use it to help yourself and not hinder yourself. How do you help leadership pitch this to their account managers basically in a way that they're not going to be like, I quit? Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't been a part of, I, I guess I would say I haven't gotten super in depth on those conversations with, um, with agency leadership. I mean, we're, we're talking about it at a high level along the way the whole time. Right. Um, you know, especially if it's like, you, you know, first calls, like typically there is res- resistance. My team's never going to go for this. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you, do you feel like coaching them through it or do you not feel like coaching it through it? Um, and it really comes down. I feel to, like that some of the responses that you guys got in the Tennessee thing that everybody yeah. was like, ah, yeah, my team will, my team will that, bail. Right? Yeah. yeah. This is too much. Um, and it really is a, a conversation around change management that, yeah, we, we obviously, we want you to continue fostering relationships with clients. That is your job. You know, we have people that are, um, that are maybe high task oriented, low customer touch. And we have people who are true relationship builders. They're the ones that are proactively reaching out to clients. They're upselling on products, all of that kind of cross-selling, doing all of those things, introducing other departments into the relationship. They're doing right. all of those things. They're the true relationship builders. But how do you do that effectively? And is, you know, and so it really has to be. It, like I said, it's a change management conversation. Um, we had, you know, Robbie Burton is one of our agencies that is one of the agents that's on um, agency owners, I guess I should call him, um, that's on the platform. And he really just took that change management approach. Like, yeah, things are going to look and feel different. We're probably going to have different conversations about relationship management and just really changing the way that you talk about the way that you do business, knowing that the way that we did it for the last 20 years isn't necessarily the way that keeps us relevant for the next 20 years. Right. It is really easy to like settle in and be like, this is the way that we've done it. This is the way that we're comfortable. And it's not that you like are tossing your customers over. That's absolutely never what we would advocate for. Um, But how do we really make this, make us as effective as possible? Because if you're on the phone with that customer for, way longer than you need to be, what other work is getting neglected in the meantime? And so there, it really has to be like, how do, how do we just kind of even all of this out? How do we make this make sense? And until you can really dig into the numbers, you don't know where where those um, issues lie. But you so can... yeah, let me ask. Um, so so Neon is, is integrated with this Varuna agency management system. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had mentioned a lot of the data being dependent on Salesforce entries. Something so, like yeah, Sa- Salesforce is our is our big chassis. Like they're right. they, they yeah. allow us they it's open architecture, so we can plug in all of their other systems, their phone systems, mm-hmm. their email systems, and so they can okay. effectively work in one one system. So, and that's what I was wondering. You know, so what other integrations are necessary in order to make the best use of this? Because I know when I worked on Salesforce. You know, I could do the tasks, but I would have to carve out time in my day later on going, okay, do all my Salesforce entries. And sometimes that didn't happen right away. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it's based on just when people are logging things, I mean, that leaves a whole lot of room for error. So it's got to be a huge technological buy-in. Yeah. So there, I mean, your users are logging into one system. Everything is working together behind the scenes. So they're just going about Mm -hmm. doing their normal case management or opportunity management if they're salespeople. So they're just going about their day doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're logging into one system. So they're not okay. hopping from Salesforce into, you know, core Salesforce to um, Veruna core and then Neon. Mm-hmm. Everything is being installed in layers, I guess I would call it. And so they only have to worry about that single login where they, where they need to operate and do their thing. But the more tools that agencies can plug in, and it just requires a Salesforce integration, but if your phone system integrates, then you can make your phone calls from the system and they're immediately logged for you. Mm-hmm. Your emails are kept in a running trail as you're working through a service request. Mm-hmm. So really being able to track everything in, in you know, that um, case collection or opportunity collection 
not only does that streamline that drag and drop, or maybe I forgot to drag and drop um, error that often happens, but it also puts the information where everybody can access it. So it's not hidden in outside systems. It's all within the single system that everybody's interacting with. So, you know, that hurdle of, oh, so-and-so's out, but that email is in his or her inbox and nobody can get to it. When you operate out of that system, then everybody can get to the information. And it's not, we can respond to the customers in the way we should, regardless of whether that main person is in the office or not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you started with uh, InsurTech. This is kind of like the kickoff of InsurTech. And I've seen Sid transition from InsurTech to InvTech here recently. Oh, she, she should have given me a heads up on that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, well yeah. we, can get, we can cut that part out. No, no, no. It's to- yeah. No, no, but I totally get what she's getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So I see this, like like I said, I'm, you know, I hope I didn't come off as prickly myself and no. be like, ah, yeah, no, 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 neon, yes, used in the right way. Because I mean, all this data that we have, you know, whether it's in the insurance industry or, or freaking Google, you, it can all be used in the wrong way. You've got to have the right mindset in order to use that. So this marriage that you guys have going on with the agency management system and NEON and everything that you're trying to integrate all at the same time, this is the independent insurance agent's way, in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, to start competing with these huge insurance companies that have all of this technology, that have metrics and ways to analyze what their own agents are doing and whether they're doing better on the direct side or the independent side and, you know, which focus they're going to shift to. So that, you know, in terms of account managers, when you're listening, when your leadership brings on a system like this, it's very important that you trust your leadership to use the information in the right way, but that you also accept it as something that's necessary in order to continue to thrive in this massive insure tech slash indie tech space, if you will. I just wanted to kind of summarize that up and why I was wanting you to, because I feel like when you do your pitches, you're mostly talking to agency leadership, yep. right? Yep. Um, and then as our focus, where we try to stay here on, on our podcast is with the account managers, I could hear as you were making your pitch in Tennessee, I could hear account managers being like, I think I need to update my resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. see, it's so funny because, you know, what I hear too, and it is could be, again, because I come from the carrier side, I can hear an agency owner telling the team, this is a great way to hold our carrier partners accountable mm-hmm. to right. make sure yeah. that sure. our carriers are serving us the way that they need to. And like, there you go. That's, that's a, you know. Yeah, it's important at all levels. And, you know, to the account man, well, for one, I think it's always okay when there's a massive conversion. Conversions are always hard. Like there's no <laughs> phone conversions <laughs> yeah. are hard. A whole system, <laughs> like for your AMS, that's huge. You know, and I think, you know, for, for leaders and account managers, like you do need to know what's in it for you because it's mm-hmm. a lot of work and there's it's stressful. It's not an easy process to get through. But for account managers that are going, I feel like I'm drowning at work. I am so overloaded. I cannot believe for one, let's talk let's talk about being able to actually create efficient processes, but also now leadership can go, oh wow, like we do need to hire more people. And before it was just kind of like, oh, I think it's time to hire because so-and-so seems really busy. But now you can actually quantify that with data and understand like either we need to bring a VA in or we need part-time help in this area or we need someone to just alleviate this one task that is taking up a a, a ton of time. We're issuing thousands of certificates. Should we have a VA doing that or some, you know, like a intern of some sort handling that kind of task? And so- they can really start to understand where where those service gaps exist in their business and start filling them. Well, I just love the idea that it's one system that you have to log into because mm-hmm. I mean I can't tell you how many times you know just to just to do one task at work, I'm having to operate off of four different systems. You know, documentation and workflow is in one system. Actually, doing the policies another system. 
you know, communicating with my clients is another system. So that in and of itself is just a pain in the, yeah. you know, what? Um, so yeah, you know, siloed tech. So much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, siloed tech with, that doesn't communicate to each other. Yeah, it's huge, mm-hmm. you know. And when you can when you can start pulling all of that together, um, it it the award reward doesn't feel immediately because it feels foreign. But mm-hmm. you know, after you know thirty sixty days in the system people start to be like, oh my gosh, it's all right here. I don't have to go mm-hmm. look for it anywhere else. It's all right here. So yeah. Um, yeah. I could see this being used, you know, in the way of I've spent some time uh, in conversations with both producers and agency leadership that are looking for account managers, but it's a dire need because they didn't see far enough into the future to realize they were going to need somebody. So I could see this being really helpful in a way as a tool to see where your agency is moving and whether or not you can start with a get your own, grow your own and start building your company values in that person and you know how you want them to work now through education and everything else, or if you're going to need somebody with experience within the next 60 to 90 days in order to be able to, you know, use this data to see where your gaps are, where you need somebody. Do you have the space for a get your own, grow your own, and you can start looking for that. You don't have to be stressed about whether or not you're siphoning somebody else's, you know, account manager and it leaves them with anyways. I could I could just see that being helpful mm-hmm. to that conversation in terms of agency leaders, just being able to know who they're gonna need to hire and when and how quickly and you know, whether or not, like I said, I can get your own brain. Thank you so much for having that conversation with us. Like I said, you guys, I almost knocked her out of her chair. When I <laughs> no, no freaking way am I going to allow somebody to micromanage me. Here, you out of the door. <laughs> here's, here's the beautiful thing is it's not about micromanaging. It's mm-hmm. about em- yeah. empowering everybody at all levels because now they know what's going on. Like exactly the mystery, the veil of mystery has been lifted. Yeah. And yeah, if, if, if my agency owner were to say to me like, hey, yeah, the system will be great because any of that BS work that I can take off your, you know, if we can see that you're wasting a lot of time on the BS stuff, that's all you got to tell me. Hey, we could potentially take certificates off of your plate. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any closing words, Liv, as we get off? Anything you feel like you need to say or get off your chest? Oh my gosh. I I kind of feel bad that I didn't even explain the fortune cookie thing, but if anybody's yes. looking for a fun tradition, so for since July of last year, July 17th of last year, I have been opening a fortune cookie every single night, sometimes with my kids, sometimes with friends when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Um so Dustin was lucky enough to be part of that tradition after we made her hike. Um, an ungodly trail in Pigeon Forge. I rewarded her with a fortune cookie. <laughs> oh my God, you guys tricked me. And I think it was you that It was Ash. Me. It was Ash. I blame Ash. Um, but it's Is it just. Tell you we're gonna. Was it just a hike? Let's. It was. What a, did I want to do? I wanted to do. Oh, zip lining. Zip lining. Zip lining. But then that was closed, and you were like, "Let's go on a." Hiking's just walking. This is like a mountain trek. It was. The end was like super steep, and Dustin was like, "Peace out." Is there a (laughs) is there a helicopter to take me home? Um, But yeah, you guys stayed so far ahead of me most of the trail that I took the pictures from behind. Yes, (laughs) she took great pictures. But Dustin got to be trying not to kill myself today. That's all. I think if she could have tucked and rolled down the mountain, she. we all would have though i was like so tired by the end of that um but yeah so i don't know like the fortune cookie thing is just a fun tradition i'm really excited i got to share that with you dustin that was thank you for sharing yeah yeah definitely do it it's just like a fun little bedtime tradition for me now like we're in ash's car and we're done with the you know i'm trying to still love these two women that are in this car <laughs> I, I, like, i'm about to go on amazon though and look for inappropriate fortune because i have right. some groups of friends and i'm like okay we these gotta be like you know the cards against humanity version of fortune cookies there you they go. have to be out there that's awesome <laughs> i'm sure they are she brings out this bag of fortune cookies. <laughs> 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 
That's all you get. (laughs) No, but you know what? It was honestly, it was a very good experience. We have a quote unquote mountain here in Arkansas that everybody loves to climb. We've got several mountains, Um, but that was the highest I had ever climbed. What mountain was it that we were on? Do you remember? No. Okay. We'll look it up later and tag it. Tag it in it's the, it's in, in the, the photos. Yeah, I cannot remember. But yeah, no, but I Googled it when I got home and there's like a cabin at the very top. Oh, the only way to get there. Right. Yeah. We, well, I mean, we went a little bit further and got some great photos at the top of that cliff that yeah. we were on. The cave. I saw cave. the stair. That, yes, Alum. The cave. Uh, yes. Alum, uh, Alum or Alum, Alum or something yeah. like that cave. Um, but do y'all, I saw <laughs> the ass rounded that corner and she goes, Oh crap. I'm sure that's not the actual word. And I said, what, please tell me it's not more stairs. And it was, it was more stairs, <laughs> but you guys went up the stairs and I was like, no, I'm done. I'm stopping right here. And, but I played it off. Like I'm going to get some photos of you guys from down here. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, there's a cabin at the very top. Like no electricity, it's all candlelit. The only way to get up there is to keep trekking up to the top. They, uh, they have what is it? Is it alpacas, llamas, something like that? Because the horses were too damaged to the trail that goes up a different trail than we went up. In order to get supplies up there, and it's just like a totally off the grid, like not even showers. You get a wash basin and a little rag. Like it is super secluded, but super like you give it a second thought about whether or not you're capable of doing that but no you guys pushed me you gotta look it up Uh, you guys pushed me so far outside my comfort zone and I really appreciated it to be honest with you because it's not an experience that I think I would have ever chosen to do on my own so when somebody talks you into a crazy idea just say yes and it's (laughs) yeah I think those are great I think that's that's perfect that's a great message that's, That's actually awesome. how my husband and I ended up together, just because his philosophy you just is, said, yeah, yes, that idea. crazy idea. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> That's amazing. Liz, thank you so, so much. Fun. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry, Kat. Liz, thank you so much for uh, redoing the podcast with us today, um, being on the podcast. because It's truly a, pre- a pleasure. I love being able to just text you every once in a while. And yeah. I think I said the last text I sent you was, a fortune. It was. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I well, loved thanks it. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. Thanks for hanging around for another awkward conversation in insurance. Stay tuned for new episodes from Awkward Insurance wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out the National Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or at SCIC.com. Now go forth and be awkward. Toodles. Toodles.